Welcome to Lost in the Movies. This episode is going up a little later, about a day later than usual, uh, just in time for to be cross-posted on my site. So I just got this up the nick of the nick of time. And the reason is uh, Journey Through Twin Peaks, my video essay series that's been hovering in the background since I started this podcast last summer. Uh, really came to a head this past few weeks where I was finally able to finish a chapter I'd been working on a couple months about the co-creator Mark Frost and his other work and how it relates to Twin Peaks, and also just wrap up all the videos that I've done in the past year together into one long video that I'm putting up on Vimeo. It's going to be in two parts uh, because I couldn't just for technical reasons, but it's all one thing. And uh, that has just consumed a lot of my attention, also my computer space, so I couldn't sort of put this, uh, assemble this together, this podcast. But this particular podcast will be covering the film Upstream Color. And I took an interesting approach this time where I watched the film, just reacted to it raw, kind of assembled my thoughts about it, and then went and looked up theories because it's a complicated, fairly abstract film at times, but with the suggestion of a concrete uh, narrative going on beneath the, the, the strangeness. So I talk about that in the review itself. I go read those and then come back and relay that information. So that was fun to do. And I think I'm going to repeat that approach again in the future, probably for a movie I watched uh, more recently, because this review was recorded a while back for patrons. But uh, a film I saw recently, Us, by Jordan Peele, not so much because it was, quote, hard to figure out, like the, the uh, plot developments in it are I think fairly straightforward and explicated, but just because I think it would be, I, I haven't heard that much of the reviews or, or general criticism around it. So it'd be interesting to give my thoughts and then go see what others said. So I may do that with that as well in the uh, future. So keep your eye out for that. But for now, upstream color. Uh, before we get into that, just in addition to the Vimeo video I mentioned on YouTube, I just put up the Journey Through Twin Peaks video called The Bookhouse Boy, Mark Frost, Fiction and Nonfiction. That's the chapter I spoke of. And on Patreon, I have my uh, January monthly patron podcast up for a dollar a month patrons. That covers Twin Peaks Cinema, the film Rebel Without a Cause, relating that to Twin Peaks. And also Twin Peaks reflections on the characters of Hardy and the Mountie, the locations of Harry's Cabin and the High School, and the storyline of Super Nadine, which I relate to Dune, of all things. So you can check that out if you enjoy this work. Uh, becoming a patron is a way to get a lot more out there. Uh, basically, this is just, as I always say, almost every episode, I think, this is the tip of the iceberg. So now for Upstream Color. I have to apologize. I was born with a disfigurement where my head is made of the same material as the sun. Upstream Color is a film by Sean Carruthers, or Sean Carruths, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, 
but he made the film Primer, which is definitely a popular cult film. I've heard a lot of discussion around it, meaning like I, I know it's something that people talk about a lot and have a lot of ideas about, but I know nothing about the film other than it's sci-fi and it has some sort of either twist or code that you can crack and understand what's really going on. You know, it's considered one of those mind f movies, basically. And I could definitely see that being the case with this film as well. It does have a narrative. It's about a woman who is kidnapped. Some sort of experiments are done with her and uh, something's put into her bloodstream, it seems. And then after that, somebody else takes her out into the woods and does some transfusion between her and a pig. And then for the rest of the movie, we cut between the guy who did the transfusion with the pig and uh, he's tending to all these pigs and interacting with them. And it seems like he's psychically communicating with them and through them, he's able to communicate with the various people they represent who were experimented on and drugged with this little um, wormy caterpillar thing, this little bug that we see in the beginning of the film that's, that's growing out of these plants. Um, so there's some sort of strange ecosystem going on. And the woman who was kidnapped, she meets a man who seems to have had the same experience. He's got similar scars to her, and they're drawn to each other for reasons they can't quite explain. And they come together, and they even seem to share memories of the past. They can't figure out whose memories they are. Those yours, your memories or mine. For different films in focus, I'm going to have different approaches to how I respond to them on this podcast. Sometimes, and this is really been my most common response lately and probably will be for some time i'm gonna re i'm gonna uh, record my reaction right after watching it sometimes i'll have seen the film before and i'll be pretty familiar with it and you know maybe very familiar with it and so i'll be bringing a lot of previous uh, experience and knowledge to that particular topic at other times it will be a new film something i haven't seen before but I'll just feel compelled to do more research beforehand, take in other points of view and discuss that. For this film, though, I'm going to do something that I don't know that I'm going to do again uh, anytime soon. But this film seems to call for it. I'm going to record my initial reaction right now, immediately after watching the film. And about halfway through the section, after about seven or eight minutes, I'm going to stop. And when I come back... In your time, you know, no time at all, only a few seconds will pass. In my time, probably a few days. I'm going to read responses to this film and read people's theories about it and read people's discussions, and I'm going to come back with that. So you're going to get a two-parter in one segment for this. It's a film that flows very freely. There's no, there's like a sort of a constant uh, movement to it. If, if I would describe it a certain way, it would be like a sci-fi film done by Terrence Malick or something. The audio is often overlapping with images of the people wandering around in a little bit of a daze. I could see people hating this movie and just thinking it's the most pretentious thing they've ever seen. And I don't know, maybe they're not wrong, but I, I kind of enjoyed it. I got, I got something out of it. Um, so basically, it, my point is it's hard to remember exactly how they got from one point to another. But by the end of the film, they seem to have figured out uh, who the farmer is. And the woman kills him and uh, finds all the other pigs and finds his files and then sends out uh, letters to all the people who are tied in with those pigs. And they all come and raise the pigs together. <laughs> that sounds like a confusing description. It's confusing to watch as well. I'm basically describing just what happens, but what it all means and what it represents 
is a whole other question. I, and I just get the film watching this. I, I don't feel like it's it's meant to be sort of a totally free-flowing um, avant-garde film with where it can mean whatever you want it to mean. I don't think so. I think the filmmakers have... They focus so much on certain elements. It feels like he... Um, you know, I said they, but I, I think it's mostly the work of, of uh, uh, Sean Carruthers, or <laughs> I should just stop trying to say his name. It seems like he has a very specific reading in mind, and you're supposed to figure it out the way the characters do. That's the sense I get. This feels, even though it's very lyrical, it's not a Christopher Nolan movie where it's all hard-headed, like, haha, here's, you know, figure out this and that, and boom, you've, you've, You've cracked it. Now you know exactly what happened. Nonetheless, though, I, I do feel like there's an intended reading here and you're supposed to sort of tease it out. So what I took from it was a couple things. I think there's a metaphorical level, which in some ways is probably the most compelling and rewarding, but there's also like a more immediate in-world thing, like what's going on in this world that they've created. Why are these people randomly drugging and kidnapping people and scamming them? And who's this guy with the pigs and all of that? And that's sort of the more short-term thing that the movie kind of compels you to want to figure out. And and then after that, I think you can fall back on, well, what's the what's the allegorical resonance of this? What I wonder is if the two people are related, like the person who kidnaps her initially and and uh, manipulates her and brainwashes her and has her like repeating things after him and telling her, you can't look at my face. My face looks like the sun. You want this water. You don't want this water. And then he has her go to the bank and take out all of this money, you know, basically screws with her life royally over a few days. And uh, it's kind of horrifying. Like the guy is just, I hated him. <laughs> it's like, he's, you know, there's certain characters who it's like, maybe they're evil, but they have this kind of sociopathic charisma or whatever I call it, where, you know, you can't help but be enthralled by them in the film. This guy's not like that. He's just this low key, mellow, kidnaps and it makes you like hate him all the more he's this aloof manipulator and it's just repulsive in some almost instinctive way and uh i wonder if he is somehow tied in with the farm pig guy and what their relationship is you only see the first guy again at the very end they've gone they've killed the guy they've they've taken back the pigs and uh suddenly it looks like his plants are maybe dying again and the the little bugs are crawling in them. So like I said, there's some sort of weird ecosystem at play. In a weird way, it reminds me of this animated film called Sky Whales. There are these hunters that are uh, hunting certain animals and then they become the animals by the end of the film. I'd recommend watching it. I'll include the link in the show notes. But it has this sort of weird symbiosis uh, going on that I can't quite put my finger on. In, the, in this film. Are the two forces, the two figures related? Because it seems like the pig guy has something else in mind. I'm, I'm not sure. Or maybe the other guy works for him. It seems like where he's shown recording these different sounds and sort of trying to make music from them and getting frustrated. And it almost feels like what he's doing with these, the, the pig slash humans is trying to kind of create music with these human lives. So that brings us to the metaphorical aspect. There's a few different readings I could have into it. One is the idea of this guy as the creator, you know, as the filmmaker or the writer or the musician or whatever. You know, maybe more uh, writer or filmmaker would be a better better analogy because it seems like he's playing with human figures. His, his subjects are human lives, you know, and he's manipulating them. There's one part where they 
show him with two pigs or with one pig, it seems like he's almost rewriting it a little bit where the guy left his wife and she had a sudden stroke or a heart attack or something. She's in the hospital and he's remembering their last words. And she said, you know, he dismissed her saying, saying that she loved him. And it's almost like he's going back and trying to rewrite the situation. I mean, that might be what's happening. There could be other things happening too. But it seems like he's kind of making music with these human lives. And then they get a mind of their own. He tries to stop it and it comes back and bites him. So it's almost this idea of this creator and his creation takes on a life of its own um, or her creation. But in this case, interestingly, it's all the male figures who are sort of the manipulators. And although there are men among the ones they manipulate, the main character who's being manipulated as a woman, the main character in the film, really, because the other lover only comes into it through her eyes. So then, of course, the other aspect of it is, is this guy like a god figure? And, you know, that's almost just the same metaphor, but on a different sort of spiritual level rather than a creative one. One more thought that I had about upstream color uh, as a metaphor or an allegory or whatever is the idea that somehow when these people were kidnapped and manipulated and something was put inside them they didn't know what it was and it it sort of made them hard made it hard for them to manage their lives and they became sort of listless they lost track of time and then later they're just haunted by this and they can't quite escape it and they're drawn to each other because of it i thought maybe this is some allegory for depression making it this alien thing that's that comes from outside and is placed inside of you and you are struggling to deal with and then of course in the end when she shoots the pig keeper, takes the pigs herself. It's like self-love, caring for yourself, caring for the pig inside of you, so to speak. So, uh, you know, overall, I really like, I think my favorite thing about this film is the whole weird pig symbiosis thing, just because it's so odd and it's uh, kind of almost almost ridiculous, but they, they play it very earnestly and it makes you like it all the more in a way. I think sometimes the film can sort of border on preciousness where they're wandering around certain barren rooms and, you know, it all seems a little slick. But the whole bringing that whole strange metaphor of the pigs into it is just so out of left field that, you know, it's both very absorbing at face value and just charmingly uh, wacky when you think about it. But as far as what the filmmakers had in mind and what other people have taken from it, that's something that I'm going to take a pause, look into, and come back and talk about in just a moment. And indeed, there does seem to be a fairly straightforward explanation for uh, what's going on in this movie. I The first piece I read was the simplest, most straightforward And I kind of like it the best. The more pieces I read, it started to become a little more diffuse. What I kind of missed, I think, to a certain extent, uh, even though it's like the most obvious thing in the movie in a way, is these worms are parasites, obviously. And, you know, that makes perfect sense. I also didn't get this. I didn't quite realize that the worm had apparently been moved completely from the woman into the pig there's still the after effects and apparently the pigs are kind of controlling the people they're not just reflecting them i kind of love that idea i mean it's just so absurd and i love it just because it's like you know this idea of the human behavior in the film you're inclined to believe that's the important thing that's what's driving everything else it's like no these two pigs uh started you know getting attracted to each other and mating on a in a little pigsty and that's why these people way far away in a city keep running into each other and thinking that they've had kids. I also didn't quite get that one of the pigs has piglets and 
apparently it's the piglets that are thrown into the river and drowned, not the actual pigs that they represent, which makes sense because then why at the end of the film would there still be a pig that's alive that she seems to be connecting with, you know? So apparently the farmer took away the pigs, threw them in the river, and she's grieving the loss of her children that she doesn't think she ever had or could have ever had. And so it's just very disorienting, confusing that way. So there is a, a somewhat straightforward process going on. Now, as far as the relationship between what they call the thief and the sampler, who's the farmer, and then the orchid mother and daughter who pick those orchids, um, apparently there's not supposed to be any real communication or arrangement between them. They just have discovered where to come in on this process, or so it seems. It's not clear. The first article I read, which I'll link below in addition to some others, but I think this is the one to read first. It's an FAQ uh, from Slate Magazine. Basically, it describes the process pretty straightforwardly. There are these orchids that the, that the thief finds. He digs up these maggots or worms or whatever, the parasites that feed on it. He then inserts that into people and just uses it to get money from them. That's that's his only interest in this process. He himself is a kind of a parasite in a sense, feeding off of that just to, for his own personal petty need. And Carruth com, um, compares this to uh, parasites that will get inside of an insect's brain and make it crash into trees or something to feed a fungus or something. I, I, I don't know. He had an elaborate natural exp sort of explanation of what this process is. But anyway, so the thief takes the uh, parasite from the, the orchids and then he inserts it into somebody, gets his use out of it by stealing all their money. And then the next person sends these vibrations to the ground. So that's what attracts her to that place. He does the transfusion into the piglets and he uses... Uh, the, you know, he's able to access their emotions through these pigs and that influences the music that he's writing. And then he sells those CDs. That's his little racket he gets from it. And then finally, when he kills the pigs and their substance, the substance of the parasite migrates into these orchids that are growing nearby and they turn blue. And the, these naturalists find the orchids very rare and they sell them so that's their that's their little racket you know everybody's got their little racket they kind of feed off this natural process but they're not really causing it they're just noticing it and using it in various ways and meanwhile um, these people just like the pigs and just like the flowers all sort of stages and natural development are kind of suffering from it they're the subject of this parasite and I couldn't help but embrace as I said sort of embrace the absurdity of this idea that what we're seeing this whole elaborate emotional roller coaster romance is just being dictated by these pigs getting it on in a pigsty somewhere and these people are like the puppets of the pigs i love that idea the people as the puppets of the pigs so i think i'll leave it on that note if you have any thoughts on this film and this is definitely a film that i think is worth sparking conversation and different ideas and going back and forth please write in and uh, let me hear your feedback or read it on the air and share it with other listeners and hopefully get a conversation going. You could do that with many past episodes as well. There's no time limit as far as I'm concerned on feedback. I may not remember as much about a film if it was years ago, but I'll be happy to read your thoughts and offer any I can in response. Next time we're going to do something a little bit different, not a film review, but actually something like a highlight reel or just a, a peek at the format of 
my big podcast for patrons, which is Lost in Twin Peaks. That's something I've been doing for several years. Eventually, it will be unveiled in a somewhat different form publicly, but that's at least nine months, eight or nine months away at this point. So if you want to listen to that podcast, please become a patron. Dollar a month, you get access up to, I think it's up to episode 18 or 19 now. And for uh, if you want to become a $5 a month patron, you're going to get instant access to episodes as soon as they go up six months ahead of everybody else. And that includes this summer, we're going to be reaching the season two finale in Firewalk with me, which other listeners won't get to hear until 2022. So definitely check that out. This is a bit of a teaser for that. And uh, here I'll just play a little audio to sort of smooth you out to the end of this episode and prepare you for the next. You listen to me. While I will admit to a certain cynicism, the fact is that I'm a naysayer and hatchet man in the fight against violence. I pride myself in taking a punch and I'll gladly take another because I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King. My concerns are global. I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truman. Albert's path is a strange and difficult 